Glad you're with us tonight. This is a holiday weekend, so we have lots of folks gone tonight, obviously, and our small groups are meeting, but I am so glad that you're with us tonight and to be with us for just a few minutes to study and to look at God's Word. But before we get there, there are just a couple of things that I've been asked to share with you before we get started. One of our members this morning, uh, Carolyn Beelan, had an episode at, at, as she was working at the welcome desk. And uh, she is doing fine, but she's in the hospital and stable, and we want to remember her in just a minute in prayer. And then also uh, tonight, Kirk Eason, who works with Southern Africa Bible College, has asked me to let you know he is about to leave to go to Southern Africa for, for several days on Thursday. But there is a program there to help women who, uh, who don't have feminine hygiene products and he is taking up money to help with that, and so if you could make a donation, if you would like to help, he claims that he will be honest with it, and so, <laughs> so that would be that would be a great way to help those who don't have what we have. Let's go to God tonight in prayer before we begin. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us, and Father, uh, we realize that all good things come from you. That you, Father, are the one that's holy. You are the one that's good. And you are the one that we worship and that we lean on and depend on. Father, we realize that as holy as you are, you allow us to call you Abba and we thank you. Father, tonight uh, we pray for Carolyn. We pray that she, will, uh, that she will be fine and she'll be out of the hospital soon and that, that uh, she'll be back with us. Thank you, Father, that people acted so quickly this morning to help her. And then also, Father, uh, we pray for uh, Kirk's trip. And Father, um, we realize how blessed we are to have extra of everything we want, it seems like, and everything we certainly need. And Father, we remember those that don't have things they need. And Father, we also pray that all things that we share will go to the glory of you and the glory of your son, Jesus. Tonight, help us in our service. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, we continue to talk for another week about Shiro's, and we're talking about the sinful woman tonight. And someone said, I asked a woman, asked me this today, said, who are you going to talk about? I said, the sinful woman. And she said, well, aren't we all? Well, yes, I guess. But this is the one known as the sinful woman, at least the one that we're going to see tonight in Luke. And if you have your Bibles or want to look on the screens, we're going to look for a few minutes here in Luke chapter 7 in verses 36 through 39. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner. Wow, pretty strong, pretty powerful, right? Now, sometimes we ask, and, and even we've, I've talked to a couple of people about this tonight, is this Mary Magdalene, and maybe, and it appears that there were two different times that something like this happened to Jesus in his life. But here he is, he's at this dinner that a Pharisee is holding, and back in the day before, used to, we would say, back in the day before television, people would do things like this. Well, 
Now, we would say back in the day before video games and YouTube and everything else, people would, would get together. And you would, in the old days, in, in, in the American West, for example, they would have big debates. And usually they were religious debates. And I have several debate books in my office of where you would debate some subject like, should we take the Lord's Supper on Sunday morning every first day of the week? Or is baptism for the forgiveness of sins or whatever you might ask? And so everybody in the community would go to hear something like that. You know what would happen if we had a debate like that? Am I using the wrong thing? Okay. I'm changing microphones, okay? I don't ever, I don't ever wear this one because I don't ever put it on the right way. Okay, now I got to figure this out. Hey, does it go this way? Okay, I'm just I'm not very smart. You know what? I'm going to hold it. How's that go? I'm just going to hold it. I'm not going to be embarrassed and try to do this in front of you. So this is what we're going to do tonight. So it's like watching someone brush their teeth or something. You don't want to do that. So I'm just to hold it. It'll make everything easier. So everybody would gather because there was going to be an event. And so what the Pharisee does is he says, hey, we're going to have the religious teacher over who's coming through town. We're going to have him to my house and we'll have a banquet. And so wealthy folks or other Pharisees, really, he would invite to that banquet. You can only have so many around the table. Probably 12, 13, 14 people will be around the table. But they leave the door open so that other people can come and hear what's going on there. Now, they are not to interfere with what's going on. They are just there as a spectator. Just as if you were to go to a play and watch a play, you're not supposed to, to start shouting out lines. You are there to watch and to listen and to appreciate not only the teacher, but appreciate the host who has had this man into his house to speak on that particular night. But this woman, she goes uninvited. Now, it's not just that she goes uninvited. She can come into the house officially or into where the banquet is, but she is not supposed to be doing anything. Don't say anything and don't touch anybody. I mean, that ought to be pretty simple, right, to understand. But even though she's uninvited, she cannot control herself. She is going to meet Jesus. You know, knowing Jesus is more important than common etiquette. Sometimes etiquette keeps us from doing a lot of things, doesn't it? Things like, Oh, I saw someone go forward, and I wanted to go over there, but, you know, I didn't know what people would say. You know, or maybe, maybe even sometimes a song, I wanted to raise my hand a little bit, but I didn't know what other people would think. Or I wanted to say amen in a sermon, but I didn't know what people would think. And so sometimes just because we're worried about everybody else, we don't do anything. This woman does not care what everybody else thinks. She only cares what Jesus thinks. Now, we shouldn't go out of our way to cause a disturbance. We shouldn't go out of our way to be weird or odd or whatever it is. But at the same time, when it comes to our faith, we should not be embarrassed of our faith. We should be willing to tell people at work, 
Yes, I believe in Jesus. We should be willing to tell people that we meet in the community. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Absolutely believe in Jesus. I'll never forget one day, as you've heard stories of us walking our dog, because we walk our dog, meet lots of neighbors, know lots of people in our neighborhood, and there's always the, the little chatter. We realize that everybody knows I'm a preacher in the neighborhood, and I don't tell them. I don't know how they all know. But one day I was wearing one of our friendship school shirts, and it had a cross on it. And I remember on that particular day, this woman who I'd never heard cuss before cussed, and then she immediately apologized to me, and I thought, I wonder, and then I went, oh yeah, it's the shirt that did it. We're not ashamed of who we are. We stand up for who we are. This woman whose name has been lost to history, doesn't really matter who she is because the focus is on Jesus. She will go to Jesus and do what seems crazy. She will cry and she will, she will take her perfume and she will bathe his feet and she will take her hair and she will wipe those feet. I mean, this is incredible what's happening. Incidentally, this is why sometimes she's considered maybe a prostitute because her hair would be down and that would often be a sign of prostitution was to have hair down. Different than what we would obviously see today. And so she's doing all of this and there's the Pharisee, the man who is the host of the party and sees this happening and he starts to make assumptions in his head. He's going to use some logic. The issue is the Pharisee's logic didn't add up. He sees this woman and notice what he says. When the Pharisee had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that he is a sinner. So as he sees all of this happening, Oh, I know who that is. I mean, Jesus ought to be able to figure that out. Maybe either because of her reputation or maybe because she has her hair down or whatever it is. Surely he would know. Well, in one sense, he's right that Jesus should know that. What he doesn't understand is Jesus does know that. That's the incredible part. Jesus realizes she's a sinner. And that's all the reason why Jesus lets her do it is because she is a sinner and because her heart is so open toward him. So in Luke chapter 7, verses 40 through 43, <clears throat> Jesus answered him, Simon, that's the name of the Pharisee, not the name of the apostle. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Well, tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50, and neither of them had the money to pay back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Well, this is really interesting. Jesus used logic also, right? So Jesus, hey, I have a story for you, Simon. Because this man, the prophet, Jesus, who's more than a prophet, we understand that, who doesn't know who the sinful woman is, knows what Simon is thinking. You get that? Jesus is much deeper than what what Simon realizes. Realizing what Simon thinks, Jesus says, hey, I got a story for you. Okay, tell me a story. Two men owed money. One owed 500 bucks, one owed 50. Both of them were forgiven. Which one is more grateful? Well, the one who was forgiven 500 would be more grateful. Well, that's right. 
So I, I can imagine what the Pharisee's doing because the Pharisee wasn't sure where Jesus was headed with all of this. I mean, it's logic, yes, it makes sense, but what are you trying to do? Because nobody wants to get caught, right? Don't you kind of get worried when somebody calls you and they say, what are you doing this evening? Because you're going, uh-oh, I don't know how to answer that because I don't want to answer nothing in case you want me to do something I don't want to do, right? <laughs> so you're, uh, just, oh, kind of doing this and that. What do you need, right? You know what I'm talking about. And so he says, well, the one who was forgiven 500, but where are you headed with this? So Jesus continues, verses 44 through 50. Then he turned toward the woman. Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. That's pretty strong, right? Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow, this is strong. This is strong from so many different directions. So this woman takes this perfume and sometimes they talk about how much would it cost and it would cost more than a year's wages it appears from what it, what it could have been. But then there is also this idea of tears and some of you have seen this or studied it before but uh, out in Katy there's a place called the Bible Seminary. Some of you have been there. They just had a, had a display of some things from the Old Testament. And in that seminary display that they had, they had several vials, tear vials. Maybe you've heard of this before. In the ancient world, first century and before, and even on past the first century, people, especially women, would gather tears, like maybe tears from whenever, from their husband or from themselves whenever their husband went off to battle, maybe if he was a Roman soldier, and they would keep those special tears. The tears sometimes of joy when their baby was born, and they would keep them in this little vial. And then they would use those tears to pour out when there were special events or something very special to them. We don't know this for sure. I'm just telling you there's a possibility here. That not only is she pouring out perfume, but her tears are not just the ones coming from her eyes at that moment, but they may be tears from her life that she's giving to Jesus. Whatever is happening is powerful. And Jesus used this occasion for some serious theology. This was not just a little lesson he's going to give to the people here. This is deep stuff here that he's talking about. He can forgive sins. Do you understand that? Jesus forgives sins. Not just the Father in heaven, but Jesus could do that. You see this exact thing happening in other places in the Gospels. And everybody's scratching their heads. Well, if he can, yes. If he can forgive sins, he and his father are one. Her moment of courage 
led to an eternity of forgiveness. Do you realize that? Is there not something really powerful about that? That moment of courage, whenever she came to Jesus in front of all those other people, and she said, I am going to anoint his feet. I am going to show my love and my appreciation. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. It makes me think of all the moments I did the right thing and all the moments I should have done the right thing. Just that one moment, how it can change eternity. Have, you know me, I think way too much sometimes. And, and I've thought so often about, about for example, if, you're, if your hand is on, a, on the trigger of a gun and it just takes less than a second to pull it and how you can change everything in that one second. You can change your future. You can go to jail forever in just one second. This woman took just a few minutes here. She was bold enough to go in front of this Pharisee and in front of the party and go to Jesus. And Jesus says, you are forgiven. Ah, for those of us who have been baptized into Christ, for some of us, it was really scary going in front of other people to say, yeah, I want to be baptized. And not that everybody has, you don't have to be baptized in front of a group, but that's kind of scary. To say that and to say, I want to do that, or even to say, I'm sorry, in front of other people or maybe just to the other person that I've offended. That's scary, but those moments are what change eternity. Just those little steps. Now this woman has had her eternity changed, and I honestly believe she has changed eternity for other people who have read this over the centuries, and they too have changed because of what this woman did. And what she did was she brought her tears to Jesus. I can only imagine as she cries, and she's crying it out in front of him, and it's just flowing from her all that, that she's done wrong, the things that she's done she's embarrassed for, probably more things than she can remember. If she is a prostitute, there are things from her past. If, and if she's not, there are still things from her past. And it's all there, and it's all in front of Jesus, and it's that moment you can't control it. Have you ever known that kind of moment where you just couldn't control, that it just started coming out, and it didn't matter who was around, you were going, you were going to show your appreciation or your love or whatever it was. Maybe on a positive side, maybe it's someone, your loved one coming back in the airport or whatever it is, that moment, I don't care who's around, I'm going to show it. And she takes all of her tears and she gives them to Jesus. Which this is my question for us tonight. Have I brought everything to Jesus? Have I brought him everything? Not just some of my life, but all of my life. Not just some of my foibles, but all of my foibles. I can act tough and I can act strong, but in the end, I will not be tough and strong. I will not be with Jesus. Or I can come before him and say, I'm laying it all out here. It's yours. I have nothing. I give it all to you. And he says those words that we all want to hear, forgiven, 
call my father Abba. That term only for his children. Call him Abba. Tonight, if you need to be baptized into Jesus, tonight is the night. Sins forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Enter into his kingdom. All those great things that happen. And maybe you need prayers. You can write to us at elders at mcoc.org and the elders will pray for you. If you want it public, the whole church will pray for you. And you can come forward and we'll all pray for you. Come as we stand and sing.